the Gerontological Society of America Momentum Discussions. Welcome to the Momentum Discussion podcast series, where researchers, educators, and practitioners stimulate dialogue on trends with great momentum to advance gerontology. Welcome to the podcast of the Gerontological Society of America. I'm your host, Judith Illish, Director of Strategic Alliances at the Society. This is one of three podcasts that we're hosting with healthcare leaders on the topic of dementia-related psychosis, a behavioral and psychological symptom of dementia. In today's discussion, we'll be focusing on the unique role of primary care providers as being ideally positioned to recognize, diagnose, and provide care planning for individuals with dementia who experience psychosis. And joining me for this conversation is Dr. Alexis Eastman, who is the medical director of the Division of Geriatrics at the University of Wisconsin Hospitals and Clinics. She is also associate professor at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. And finally, Dr. Eastman is a member of GSA's clinical work group on dementia-related psychosis and a contributor to a new GSA report released on the topic in February 2021. Welcome, Dr. Eastman. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. Wonderful. And Alexis, before we get into today's topic, which is really dementia-related psychosis and kind of that intersection of where it begins to be seen in the primary care setting, um, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your background and expertise as a primary care provider who has this deep knowledge about dementia care. Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I am uh, an internist and a geriatrician by training, and I am part of the uh, Division of Geriatrics at UW, as, as you stated, and I do mostly geriatric primary care here at the UW, but I also have done extra training in memory diagnostics and care, and so I uh, do some memory clinic work, both diagnosing and caring for people with dementia. So I I see it in my patient population as a primary care provider, but I also see it as a specialist in my memory clinic. Wonderful. So clearly this is an area that you've spent a lot of time training in, in in a formal sense, as well as seeing a high number of patient cases of dementia in your population. How do cases of dementia-related psychosis appear in the primary care setting? And what do you perceive to be the impact on both the individual and their family? Yeah, sure. You know, I think, now granted, I'm a geriatrician. So my patient panel is uh, all people over the age of 65. But the prevalence of dementia in that patient group is quite significant. And in that patient group of people with dementia, it is very common at some point in time in the dementia for someone to develop a dementia-related psychosis. And when this happens, it can be really just difficult for both patients and their caregivers. You know, the patients themselves are suffering because if you have hallucinations or uh, delusions they're very uh, frightening. They can be uh, really disturbing. They can bring back traumatic memories that you don't want to uh, dwell upon, and they can interfere with your ability to kind of engage with the world. And so people really suffer. And in their anxiety, they can, they can become very agitated and uh, 
difficult to care for. And then the stress on their caregivers will increase exponentially. And, and caregiving for someone who has dementia is quite a difficult task as it is. And so if you add in the deep anxieties of hallucinations and psychosis related to dementia, you really uh, create an extra burden and an extra barrier for caregivers to provide the kind of care that they would like. You increase uh, the people being placed in facilities when they could otherwise be at home with their loved ones. And you also increase uh, the potential that they will be, you know, either, either over-medicated or uh, sent to the hospital unnecessarily when this could be treated uh, adequately in the outpatient setting. So it's, it's a great deal of burden and, and suffering for my patients when this happens to them. You know, I think if I ask my patients on any given day, where would you like to spend the rest of your life? The answer is almost always home, right? They, everyone would like to be home, whatever that looks like for them. And being able to identify and manage dementia-related psychosis early and successfully is key to keeping people in their home environment and, and ease their suffering. So I'm wondering when looking at kind of the primary care field as a whole and where how it's evolving, there seems to be a lot of em- increasing emphasis on putting more responsibility on primary care for managing various clinical conditions that maybe in the past were considered to be part of the realm of the specialists. So everything from psychiatric disorders to more responsibility for diabetes, dementia care um, being among those areas. So would love to hear a little bit about, you know, your perspective on that, that ongoing shift, if that's accurate to state, and what are some of the challenges around it? Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, one of the best things that we've done over, over the past you know, several decades is really focus on the primary care provider as the patient-centered medical home, right? as the, the front lines of patient care where uh, someone can come and, and have their point person who helps them understand their health and move forward in a really productive way. Uh, one of the difficulties with that, however, is that there's a lot of things and a lot of conditions that our patients need help with. And in the past, people would go kind of between specialist to specialist to specialist. And now we're offering the opportunity for them to be treated in one central hub, which is better for patients and, and better for healthcare in general. However, uh, that puts a lot of burden on the primary care provider to be a semi-expert in a a number of conditions. And that's often beyond the scope of a lot of residency training. You know, residency is a really holistic and and wonderful training opportunity. But, you know, speaking from a dementia standpoint, specifically, most primary care providers have very limited dementia-related training in their residencies, uh, and certainly very uh, extremely limited uh, training on dementia-related psychosis. And then we ask them to be the point people for this care for these patients uh, without the necessary supports in place to help them achieve that. And so while on the one hand, it's, it's an excellent model for patient-centered care, it is uh, challenging for a primary care physician to have the adequate support and 
educational opportunity to achieve the kind of care they would like to provide for these patients. And I think that's what I see all the time is, is that people want to be doing the absolute best thing for their patients, but have not received the training or been given the infrastructure uh, or the, the system support in which to do so. Thank you for outlining some of those challenges. I think at GSA, we've definitely been focused on what does quality improvement look like for primary care? But I think we definitely want to continue being solutions oriented in terms of not just asking for improvement, but also giving as part of that. And so if we're thinking about, you know, the primary care provider's wish list of what, what could be helpful? Um, and again, thinking about the symptomatic management of dementia and as, as one of those um, areas of greater responsibility um, that's being put on the profession, what, what could be helpful? Yeah, I think it's at every single level, uh, there is a place for educating and supporting people in, in dementia-related psychosis, both diagnosis and its management. You know, I think if you start at the very basics of medical school followed by residency, you can make a very clear statement that every medical student should be educated on at least the diagnosis and understanding of dementia, no matter what field they are going into, because it is so prevalent uh, in our patients. And no matter what you do, you will be seeing a patient who has dementia. And then in residency, it really would be great to expand the training in dementia and dementia-related psychosis, especially for people going into primary care or related specialties. You know, once you're out in practice, you need a, a, an in-time training or educational opportunities that really help you access the information you need in a timely fashion to care for your patients. So that could include things like CME and expanding CME opportunities in dementia-related psychosis. But that could also include care models in which you have easy access to specialty knowledge or specialty interaction in order to provide kind of uh, in-the-moment care for your patients. So I think you can leverage technology, hopefully, to your advantage in that case uh, and, and really get yourself uh, into a position where as a primary care provider, you have the person you need to provide the answers you need in a, in a really reasonable time frame. And I think that that's really a hope of uh, new infrastructures and technologies that we could offer to, to primary care. That's fascinating. I, I do want to get back to that point around what, is, what are the new opportunities related to the new models and technology and telehealth, among other things. So what do you rely on to recognize the symptoms of psychosis or hallucinations and delusions and, and help patients and families manage these challenging symptoms? Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky to have my additional training, which which really does provide me with extra tools and uh, skills in the clinical portion of the evaluation. But when I am in doubt, I have uh, access to brilliant colleagues uh, and other forms of sort of interspecialty communication, which I find very valuable, uh, usually through the electronic health record and, and sometimes even through telehealth. And and that's been an incredibly valuable asset to my management of patients. Uh, and in terms of helping patients and their caregivers manage these symptoms, I really feel strongly that it has to be a team approach, right? So it, I, there's, there's 
me in the clinic seeing my patients, but I have a nurse practitioner who helps me manage my patient panel. I also have uh, clinic social workers who help put patients and caregivers in touch with community resources, such as the Aging and Disability Resource Center or the dementia specialists for the county and other support structures that can help them uh, sort of manage in place at home, non-pharmacologically as possible. Uh, and, and I have a an excellent nurse and medical assistant who helps sort of create the follow-up plan to make sure that we're keeping tabs on people and, and that they're adequately treated. And none of this would work if I didn't have this team structure of each person who really can provide a key portion of the patient care, uh, as well as the caregiver support. How, how did that team structure come about? I'm curious. Was this something uh, that you initiated or was this already embraced by the system? So at UW, we are fortunate to have a, a very uh, well-supported division of geriatrics uh, by the institution. And geriatrics uh, as a specialty has really focused historically and now on the multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary team as being a necessary component of patient-centered medical care. And so we've had this in place for many years now, uh, but uh, continue to modify and improve it to really uh, create a, a patient-centered medical home. Well, you're you're singing uh, you're singing our language of GSA. I think we are all about the interdisciplinary and the multidisciplinary. And and on that note, I'd be curious. You mentioned who is within your internal extended care team. So, are there any other uh, specialists who may be within the health system, but outside of the core team that you would also call upon? Yeah, you know, I work very closely with our geriatric psychiatrists. I who are just amazing resources. And I, I, I'm very lucky that I have them sort of close at hand to sort of dial up at a moment's notice and say, hey, here's a difficult case. Uh, and the other people we work with are uh, palliative care, who has also a, a selection of psychiatrists who can help manage some of these symptoms as well. And so we, we have other specialists who have been uh, incredibly helpful in this collaborative care model. So you mentioned telehealth earlier, and I just wanted to give a, another few minutes to that as far as how has your practice changed or enabled more individualized care uh, for patients through telehealth? Um, and, and any other models of innovation that, that you could recommend for this area? Yeah, you know, I think and this past year has sort of changed the way we practice medicine in so very many ways. And all of us have gotten very used to doing video telemedicine uh, with our patients. And I have found it to be an incredibly valuable resource in terms of both seeing a patient in their home environment and watching them interact in that environment, but also decreasing the difficulty that some of my patients have in actually coming to clinic when, when someone has dementia, especially a dementia with psychosis, uh, they can have a really difficult time coming to a new environment and being in kind of a strange place and having the option to see them through the video visits has really made it a lot easier for me to see them in a comfortable setting. Uh, the other place that this really works is 
when I can see people who live in facilities via video, I can have a good team interaction with their clinical staff at the nursing facility or the assisted living facility. So I can see not just how they are interacting in their home environment, but also have a good multidisciplinary team discussion about what are the different things that we can try to help them with their dementia-related symptoms. Um, so that's kind of on a primary care level and, and seeing patients, the, the real value of video medicine from an access to specialty care perspective, uh, some of my colleagues are involved heavily with uh, telehealth outreach. Uh, so for example, uh, GREC Connect uh, and other telemedicine initiatives through the VA are great, great ways for providers to offer specialty consultation to other providers in other clinics, you know, a patient and provider may be in the clinical environment in a rural setting, and yet the specialist at the academic center can be uh, televideoed into that setting to provide evaluation and advice. And there are other models of that uh, that, that we have uh, cited in our paper, but that's one really great way of getting a, a finite number of experts uh, and having them have, uh, be accessible by doctors and clinics in places that otherwise would not have access to these specialty care providers. So I think of that as a, a huge win for tele, telemedicine. Absolutely. And I, I guess from a GSA research lens, I'm curious if you think that there is already data around the effectiveness of, the, of these types of models in improving symptomatic management, or is that something that, you know, we could aspire to collect data on in the future? You know, I think the data is really in early days. There are, are certainly uh, papers and there's certainly evidence that as a model telemedicine, the VA's telemedicine program, for example, is effective in offering specialty access for rural clinic sites. But in terms of uh, kind of the newer innovations that have happened in the last year and dementia-related psychosis in general, that is an area, I think, of great research potential. What is one last message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I would say that while it is challenging and the structures are not yet in place to uh, fully support primary care in uh, their ability to care for patients with dementia-related psychosis, I do think that it is absolutely worth the collective effort to develop those structures to support primary care because this is something that has a deep and profound impact on the quality of life for our patients and their caregivers. And if we can make meaningful inroads into this uh, and, and really support primary care, I think that we could do a great deal of good for uh, overall health of our patients. Thank you, Dr. Eastman, for your time and for championing dementia care in primary care settings. This concludes our podcast on dementia-related psychosis. We invite you to listen into other discussions on the topic, which you can access through this channel or by visiting the GSA website. Goodbye for now. To learn more about the Gerontological Society of America, visit geron.org. 
The Gerontological Society of America was founded in 1945 to promote the scientific study of aging, cultivate excellence in interdisciplinary aging research, and education to advance innovations in practice and policy. For more information about GSA, visit geron.org.